Good evening. We are in the middle of preparing for Shabbos. That's the program that we're working our way through. And we're not going to do the Chazor on the previous Shurim because even though we've learned this before and this is really a bit of a one big Chazor, but in life we have to constantly do Chazor because if we don't repeat and, and uh, relearn things that we've learned in the past, we're going to forget. And I'm pretty sure that most of the things that we're discussing in the, in the past Shurim and the coming Shurim are things, even though we've learned it, that were quite uh, unfortunately forgotten a lot of it, so this way it reminds us of the detail, but to go over it again with the Chazor at the beginning of the year, I think that's a little bit superfluous. So we'd like to move on this week in the preparations for Shabbos, in the halakhas of how to prepare to bathe, prepare the house, etc., and then in the coming Shurim we'd like to go through Hadlokas Neris, and perhaps this time we'll do it a bit, little bit more detail, Hadlokas of Hadlokas Neris on Shabbos, maybe intertwine a little bit with the Hadlokas Neris of Hanukkah, because that's what's coming up. Uh, not very long uh, post the next year, we'll be almost Hanukkah already. The Gemara tells us in Masech the Shabbos that Omar Reb Nachman by Rav, Reb Nachman, the son of Rav, says Omar Rav in the name of Rav, had lachis ne Shabbos chayva. There's an obligation to light candles for Shabbos. Rechitzas yadayim reglaim, the washing of one's hands and feet, the chamin in hot water. Arvis on Arab Shabbos Rishus is only a Rishus. Rishus means it's something nice to do, but it's not a mitzvah. And he said, and I added that it's even a mitzvah. My mitzvah, what do we mean it's a mitzvah? Meaning, what do we do? The Amr of Yehuda Merav, Kachayim in Hogesh of Yehuda Ba'iloi. The Gemara tells us that Yehuda Ba'iloi was one of the great Tanoi. This is what he used to do. This was his custom every Arab Shabbos. They would bring a bowl full of hot water. And he would wash Ponov Yadav Viraglov his face, his feet, his hands, and his feet. Or Misatev, and he would wrap himself with Yeshu Besadinin Hamitziyotin, and he would wrap himself with a blanket. But he would clothe himself with a blanket, a type of a, a shawl Hamitziyotin, which had tiffes on it. The Daim Malamalach Hashem Sochus, and he looked like a Malach of Hakadosh Baruch. So from here, the Gemara, the Halacha tells us that there's a chiv to prepare for Shabbos by washing oneself for Shabbos. Part of covered Shabbos, as we explained in, in the previous shurim, covered Shabbos means anything that we do before Shabbos to give honor to Shabbos is covered Shabbos. Whatever we do on Shabbos to enjoy Shabbos is oinik Shabbos. What we do before Shabbos to give honor to, sh- to the Shabbos is called covered Shabbos. And bathing before Shabbos is part of the giving covered to Shabbos. Now, it's not a chiv to bathe, though it's a mitzvah. So if one doesn't bathe, bathe before Shabbos, one doesn't transgress any Issa, but there is a mitzvah to bathe. So therefore one really has a type of an obligation <coughs> every Friday, and it has to be Friday, to bathe pon of Yod of according to the Gemara, pon of Yod of face, hands and feet. And Arizal actually says that the order is quite, quite specific. First the face, then the hands, and then the feet. Like the Gemara says, you wash the face first, then the hands, then the feet. And that's how you prepare for Shabbos. Now, whether feet today is as important as it was in, it was in those days, the Paskim discussed that at length, that nowadays where we wear shoes and we wear socks, so we don't walk around barefoot or with open sandals as they used to in, in the old days, then the feet become less necessary to wash. Though if you live in Etisol or you live in the Moshavim or you walk, walk around with uh, open sandals, or if you're in a very hot country where even when you're wearing shoes, the feet begin to sweat, then it could be that you're a to, to wash your feet as well. 
the, that's the basic halacha. Ponov Yodov Raglov. The Ramah adds, sorry, the Mishokhan Arch adds that you have to wash your head as well. You have to wash your hair as well. So Ponov Yodov Raglov is inclusive of your hair. You have to wash your hair as well. The Ramah adds that there's a mitzvah to have a complete bath. The Ramah says, Mitzvah Lecha is called Gufa Bechami, which will cover Shabbos. The person has to have a complete bath in hot water for covered Shabbos. So there we have the three stages from the Dina de Gemara, all you have to do is Pond of Yod of Raglov, and if a person doesn't have enough time to wash and have a complete bath in, in, in the short Fridays, it makes a lot of sense. It's possible that you'll be rushed and everything just doesn't seem to be working and you just can't get into the bath on time, then a person is to wash at least Pond of Yod of Raglov. If he knows before Shabbos, before Friday, that he's never going to get a chance to get into the bath on Friday, he's, it's just not going to happen, then he should wash Thursday night, because that's also a, a part of Kofi Shabbos. But the primary chiv, the primary obligation is to wash on Friday. What do we do? We do the Gemara upon the Yod of Raglov, the, the Mechab adds the, the whole head, including the hair, and the Ramah adds, Minig Ashkenaz, and the Ramah is to wash the whole body, to have a complete bath. I just want to read you out one piece of Mishnah Baruch, which is extremely important. It's important for all of us to remember this, particularly in the, on these short Fridays. I'm going to read you out the words of the Mishnah Baruch. Ma'oid yeshli zoyah, says the Mishnah Baruch. Shalai yavoy alidei mitzvah sarechitza. That one shouldn't come. And this is something that I think I said ten years ago when we were in yeshiva. This was like a, a, something that needed to be read out aloud. Because yeshiva bachim like to leave everything till the last minute. And the Shabbos comes in, you have to get out of the shower in the last minute. Because otherwise you're not yeshiva bachim. So ma'oid yeshli zoyah, shalai yavoy alidei mitzvah sarechitza. Shabbos. You must make sure that by, by trying to be really from and have a bath before Shabbos, because I'm being from, I'm being the kind of the mitzvah of bathing and covered Shabbos, that you shouldn't come to a worry of Chilul Shabbos. Many people stumble in this area of crossing the line of Chilul Shabbos in the winter months when the days are very short they sit in the bath almost until dark even if they finish come out of the bath slightly earlier you still have an ability to transgress Shabbos if you don't come out of the bath early enough he combs his head comes out of the bath and he thinks right I'm finished and then he takes the comb and starts combing his hair combing the hair is a melacha deraiser come on it could be a melacha deraiser on Shabbos combing hair is, could be a melacha deraiser or if you take the towel and the towel is very wet so you, you squeeze the towel and that could also be a, a melacha of schita it's called washing and therefore anybody who has a little the small uh, drop of should make sure that the public doesn't transgress this melacha the schusser rabbi miyeh toliboy, and then the merit of the, the multitudes will be dependent on him. The gam kadesh the yitzvah chasshon ba'avoynom sheyedua. If a person has the ability to mention it and he doesn't mention it, and if it does happen, then he's held accountable. So here I'm, I'm doing my job now, I say. I'm making a public announcement. Please, if you have a bar on Friday, and whoever listens, spread it to your friends. Make sure that you have well in time for Shabbos, so that because it's, it's quite common that you. You know, especially if you're in the short Fridays, you just manage to get the, the, the black on, and you just manage to get the hot plate on. You're rushing in out of the bath, and you're coming down almost in your, in your dressing gown to light a candle. And the risk of Chil Shabbos is enormous. So one should always be careful on the short Fridays, as we, as we have in the next few weeks, really short Fridays, and we have to make sure that we can come in and out, and there should be no chashash, no chashash, no chashash Chil Shabbos whatsoever. I'm not in any way pointing a finger at anybody, so don't, please don't, 
don't take anything personal. Even if you are somebody who rushes out the bar just before Shabbos, I'm not pointing a finger. You have no idea what you do in your private house. But I have to do my job. Mr. Bush says I've got to uh, educate the public to make sure that I don't get Chal Shabbos told off by the Rebbe Shabbos for not telling you that you've got to make sure that you're not Chal Shabbos. I'm sure we all realize that. But inadvertently, sometimes we can cross red lines, and therefore it's m- m- my duty to, to tell you. So I hope I fulfilled my job. You can have a bath Friday morning, no problem at all. But first thing Friday, you can have a bath Friday morning, no problem at all. It's actually a very good idea. For men, there's a, a included in the mitzvah of Rechitza, and it's part of the mitzvah, Rabbi Huda Chassid in Sefer Chassidim quotes, and he mentions it from the Zaya, that many men have a custom to go to Mikvah on Friday, it's brought down the Kitzvah Shulchanach as well. So it's mentioned by the Ashkenazi. Poskim as well. The minute to go to Mikra on Friday, that goes, that's under the banner, that's all part of the banner of Rechitza. Not everybody has a minute. Many people don't have a minute to go to Mikra on Friday, but those who do, the, the minute stems from the idea of Rechitza on Air Shabbos. And the, of course, you don't go into Mikra to have a bath, you go to Mikra to, to have the, the purification of a Mikra. But going into Mikra is part of the mitzvah of Rechitza. Okay, let's move on to the next part of Air Shabbos, which is cutting nails. Now, you might look at me what cutting nails got to do with Arab Shabbos, but the remark tells us that part of the preparation for Shabbos is to cut your nails every, every Friday. Uh, it's a bit difficult to cut your nails every Friday, but that's what the remark says. You've got to cut your nails every Friday. I suppose it depends how fast one's nails grow. You don't start looking at your nails, Nancy. It, it, it depends how fast your nails grow. Some people's nails grow very fast, some people don't grow so fast. But the remark says part of the preparing for Shabbos is cutting nails on Friday. And the remark actually gives us a whole sequence of how one has to cut one's nails. And the remark tells us that you first cut your left hand rather than the right hand. So you've got to cut your left hand easier. Naturally, you cut your left, your left hand before the right because it's easier if you're right-handed at least because it's easier to hold the, the scissors or the nail clippers in your right hand. And the order of the fingers is Dalad Bey Teigimul Four, two, five, three, one. The purpose is that you don't cut two nails adjacent to each other. So you're going to be cutting four, two, five, three, one. That way, you've n- no way have you cut two nails adjacent. You can do that way, but there are more things you should do the other way. Okay, I'm not saying there isn't any other way. You, there are a number of combinations. But there are more things you should do Dalad, base, hey, gimel, aleph. Dalad, base, hey, gimel, aleph. That's on the left hand. Now the right hand is exactly the same thing. If you double it over, you'll be doing exactly the same thing. But because you're, you're crossing your hand, you're going to be doing two. You're going to do base, um, Dalad, Right? You're going to be doing base, dalad, aleph, gimel, hey. Because it's, it's the same thing, just with your hands crossed. Are you with me? Dalad, base, aleph, gimel, hey. Base, sorry, base, dalad, aleph, gimel, hey. Base, dalad, you're mixing me up, sorry. Sorry? It's, you're mirroring, you're mirroring the same thing just on the other hand. You're mirroring the same thing. Now, if you're not used to it, it's not the end of the world. It's not ma'akib, you're allowed to cut your nails if you don't follow that sequence. In fact, the reason himself said it's not so important the sequence, but the remark, the Prima Garden do say that that's how you should cut your nails on a Friday. So you should cut your nails on a Friday by doing the left hand, the right hand, and in a sequence of 4, 2, 5, 3, 1, and then 2, 4, 1, 3, 5. There's a custom not to cut one's nails on Thursday. That's a very interesting custom. Most people can't understand why can't you cut your nails on Thursday. So the reason given is because they start growing on Shabbos. And who jolly well cares if they start growing on Shabbos? Well, who minds if it starts growing on Shabbos? I'm not doing any malotta. I can't tell you that. I'm not much of a... I'm not sure what the word is. To, but that's what it says, malotta. You shouldn't come on Thursday because they will start growing on Shabbos. 
Now, maybe they grow continuously, but I suppose it means that you'll only notice the growth on Shabbos. And therefore the question is always thrown back at me, and they say to me, who cares if it grows on Shabbos? It grows continuously. I'm not doing anything. It grows naturally. And if I cut them on Tuesday, they're still going to grow on Shabbos. So what difference does it make? And the answer isn't because by growing on Shabbos, you're doing something wrong. It's just not covered for Shabbos to cut your nails on a day where it's going to be noticed that it's growing again on Shabbos. That's not covered Shabbos. So therefore, ideally, you should cut your nails on Friday, because when it, you cut your nails on Friday, as the Halakha says, then when it comes to Shabbos, you can't see that your nails are growing. They remain in the cut state. They remain short for Shabbos. They remain short for Shabbos. If you cut Thursday, then by Shabbos, they're really beginning to grow. You can begin to notice that they're not freshly cut nails. That's not covered Shabbos, that's all. It's just not covered Shabbos. It's not anything spooky. It's not anything... Uh, esoteric, it's purely Hilchus Kovach Shabbos. You want to cut your nails so that your nails are Kovach Shabbos. <coughs> Therefore, we don't cut them on Thursday. Some people have a meaning not to cut them other than Friday, but we're not worried about that. We do cut them on Thursday. We do cut them on Friday. But the effort, if you're not going to have time on Friday to cut your nails, or says you can cut them on Thursday. No problem at all. Another meaning we have when it comes to cutting nails, we don't cut hand nails and your toenails, your fingernails, and your toenails on the same time, the same day. We try to avoid cutting them on the same day. That's uh, uh, also an accepted uh, custom that we don't cut the feet and the hands on the same day. And therefore the mission Bruce says what you should do is if you do need to end up cutting them both close to the same week, toenails usually grow much slower, so you don't often have to cut them at the same time, but you should cut the toenails on Thursday and the, your fingernails on Friday. That way your toenails on Thursday, you can't see if your toenails are growing sharper, so it's not a chisor and it's not so much of a covered Shabbos. We don't walk around looking at our toenails on, on Shabbos. There is less of a covered Shabbos to cut your toenails on Thursday. Now, when it comes to cutting your toenails, you do not need to do the order. You can cut how you like, when you like, which leg you like first, which toe you like first. It makes no difference. There's no rules or regulations with cutting toenails. Only cutting fingernails do we have the rule, as we said before. Some people have a custom on when Friday falls, when a Shkadish falls on a Friday, not to cut the nails at all and not to cut hair at all. And Mr. Minik from Ruda Chosid from Sefer Chosidim, it's a minik that, that many people keep this custom not to cut the hair, not to cut nails on a Friday when Friday is Rishkadish. If that's the case, then you'll have to cut them on Thursday because you, it's worse to go into Shabbos with your nails long than to cut them on a Thursday. And also the Kabbalim are very makbid. And this is something which is relevant to Lahalok a little bit when it comes to Hilchus Chatzitza, that never to have the nails above the finger line. So you'll often see Mukabodim looking at their fingers like this to see if the nails have grown above. The moment they're, they, they're visible above the finger, they will cut them. Makes a difference what day of the week it is, Thursday, Friday, of course not Shabbos, but any day of the week. All the days of the week go out the window if you are one of these people who live a necessary life and want to make sure that your fingernails don't grow beyond the flesh. Chalamoy. We discussed when we learned halakha chalamoid. Chalamoid, you can only cut your nails of chalamoid, Arab Shabbos chalamoid, if you've cut them before Yomtev. So when you came into Yomtev, your nails were already in a, in a look decent, didn't need cutting. And then they grew throughout the Yomtev and came to chalamoid, Shabbos chalamoid, Arab Shabbos, and they needed cutting again, then you're allowed to cut them again. But if you hadn't cut them Arab Yomtev because you were delayed or you just didn't have the time, and you said, oh, I'll wait till Friday when it's Shabbos chalamoid, then you're allowed to cut them whole chalamoid, even though they are not in a very pleasant state. Now, this is something which I want to discuss a little bit because it's relevant to today and it's relevant to, to all of us. The Gemara tells us that the person who burns nails, after they're cut, he burns them, the cut nails is a chosid. Somebody who's covered on somebody who buries them is a tzaddik. Zorikon, somebody who throws them onto the floor, is a rosha. The rosha. So there's no, extreme, there's no, middle, no middle path here. You're either a chosid 
or you're a Tzadik, or you're a Russian. There's no, there's no, I'm just a plain person here. You, you're either going to be a Tzadik or a Chassid, or you're going to be a Russian. That's very sad. The Gemara explains why. Because Shema Tavayim Ishmael Uberis. Because maybe a woman who's pregnant will cross over, doesn't mean step in them, will pass over the nail, the top of them will cause her to miscarry. And that's a Gemara. That's not uh, anything uh, that we don't need to do. It's a Gemara. That you're not allowed to leave nails on the floor. And the Behatev the explains, he quotes the Talasi, Yaakov is one of the early Makabalim, he says something very interesting. And I'm going to share it with you, even though I'm being, going to be a little bit, uh, what we call in, in Russian Akkadia, a bit of a kanoi here. So I'm going to say something you might not like, but it's just too bad. The Talasi Yaakov tells us, why is it so, why is it that the nails are the one that, that, that causes trouble if a woman who's pregnant would cross over, pass over these nails, that she would, it would cause her to miscarry. Why nails and why women? It implies that for man it's not so, not so terrible. Uh, and the main worry is just a pregnant woman. So he says as follows. He says, other generation before he sinned. Other generation before he sinned. It's something fascinating. There is a little mashmois, a little uh, indication of this in the Gemara, though it's not clear in the Gemara. He says, Adam Rishon, before they sinned, Adam Machab, before they sinned, they were covered in a complete coating of nails. They didn't, have, they didn't wear clothes. We know that from the apostles. They weren't clothed in physical clothes, in clothing like we But they were covered in a, in a covering of, an, of a nail. When they sinned, then the nail left the body, so they weren't covered in a nail anymore, and it just remained at the end of the fingers and the end of the toes. That's all. Therefore, who caused the sin of Adam, of, of Adam Machab? Of course, it was Chava. Chava was the cause of the sin. So therefore, the nails are the fact that the nails are only at the end of the fingernails, only at the end of the fingers, are an indication or a representation of the sin that Chava caused. And therefore, in some effect, like the nails, not get their own back but the nails are therefore for a woman much more dangerous, much more of, of a of a kitter than they are for a man. And therefore, those nails which are cut, if they're left on the floor, and a woman will pass over them, then Chashashanim it will cause. Hapole uh, will cause a woman to miscarry. Now, this is where I'm going to say a bit of kanos, okay? I'm going to have to, just once, every so often, I'm allowed to say a bit of kanos. So it comes out that the, our, the fact that we have nails at the end of our fingers is really a representation, it's really a sign of something negative. It's a sign of the chet of, of, of the Mauritian and Chabot, that's what it is. So I find it very, very perturbing, a little bit strange, that something which represents the sin of Chabot has become one of the biggest fashion icons in today's society. What, what, what's happening here? We're, we're supposed to be realized this is, this is to remind us of the chet of admiration. And then what do we do? We turn it into a fashion icon. I, it's, just, it's just very strange. But it's not strange, really, because exactly what a sotan will do. He will take something which is supposed to represent the chet and something we're supposed to strive to improve and turn that into an entity in its own right. So that's my canals for the day, okay? You can, you can go around spreading my name, I don't mind. So therefore, when we do cut our nails, we have to be extremely, extremely careful. We have to be very careful that we've got to cut them in a place where we've got to cut them in a place where they won't fall on the floor. Ideally, you should cut them and burn them. But if we ask you to burn them, if we ask ourselves to burn them, the chances are very high that something's going to go wrong and they're going to fall on the floor long before we get to burn them. So the, safe, the safest and the simplest thing to do is when you cut your nails is put them down the toilet. Why do you put them down the toilet? Because when we say bury them, bury them doesn't mean you have to take a spade and dig a hole and bury it. Bury them means you put them out of reach. They're out of access. They're totally out of the reach of anybody. They can't, they can't arrive in any position where a woman can step over them and have a miscarriage because of that. And therefore, the simplest thing to do is just flush it down the toilet and you've got rid of them. If they do fall on the floor, 
Now the Gemara tells us the only time a nail can actually be potent and damaged is if it's in the same place that it fell. If the woman passed over it in the same place that it fell. So the Gemara tells us if the nail did fall on the floor, you have to sweep. Now the wording of the Gemara is you have to sweep the floor and sweep it out. Sweep it out of the house. Because you imagine in the old days you had a, a single ruined house and uh, it was a sand floor and if it fell on the floor you would sweep the top layer of the sand and brush it out of the house so then you knew it had gone. Now here's the Machlechus in, in the Poskim, how far does it have to move to be considered not in the same place? So you just have to move it an inch or two, move it away from where it actually fell, so you have to move it out of the room. You have to move it out of the room. So it's a Machlechus in the Poskim, so the simplest way to get around the problem if you cut your nails and it fell on the floor and you don't want to cut the shell on that nail to cause damage to anybody uh, and if it can cause damage to a, a pregnant woman it's not an <coughs> ideal thing for anybody to walk over just take the hoover, hoover you take the hoover and the hoover up and it's not there anymore it's moved, it's moved, it's moved places it's not in the, in the place where you've dropped it according to everybody it's not, it's not in the room it's not in the place and you have no problems at all and that's the simplest way to get around it sorry? Because the, the nail represents chet. It's, it's really, it, it, the, the, the fact that the nails are there, and that's why they, they're so mac, they must have long nails, because it, it's a representation of something negative. Once one finishes washing, uh, the cutting one's nails, one has to wash one's hands. The Shulchanar tells us you've got to wash your hands like you wash it in the morning. Shulchanar says, you lick it, you wash your hands, because the of the simandalad. Simandalad is the simon which talks about negovas in the morning, so you have to wash your hands after you've cut your nail, like you wash yourself in the morning, and you wash it three times in your hand, etc. properly. Let's move on now to something a little bit more palatable. Once you've prepared yourself for Shabbos, then you have to prepare the house for Shabbos. So you have to make sure that your tables are covered with a tablecloth. Now, how many tables need to be covered with a tablecloth is not so straightforward in halakha. For sure, the table that you're going to be eating off needs to be covered with a tablecloth. But do all the other tables have to be covered with a tablecloth or not? That's not so clear. The Chavot Chaim discusses that. He seems to imply that, yes, all tables should be covered with a tablecloth, and I would assume that's probably mimic cholesterol to a large degree that we try to cover all tablecloths, but the primary table that needs to be covered is the table that you're eating on. Uh, if you have enough time for the kitchen tablecloth, I'll have to put it on a bit later. But the primary table is the, the, the table you're eating on. If you can, all tables should be covered for Shabbos. And this is talking about, of course, putting it on before Shabbos, so that when Shabbos comes in, the tablecloth is there. So too, the Shulchanah tells us you've got to make the beds. Uh, so discussion in Shulchanah whether it means the bed that you're sleeping on, or it doesn't mean the bed that you're going to be sleeping on. But the Bach seems to say that you should make all beds, even the bed that you're sleeping on. Some, some people say, why bother making a bed that you're sleeping on? I'm going to get them in a few minutes' time. But the Bach says, for cover Shabbos, you have to make the bed, even the beds that you're sleeping on. You prepare it for Shabbos. Yeah, this is on Friday for Shabbos. Some people are making it on Shabbos afternoon as well to make the bed. But you've got to be careful, because if you make your bed on Shabbos afternoon, you could be a problem of Hachana for Matzah Shabbos. Depends why you make the bed. If you like to get into a made bed, then Shabbos afternoon you can't make the bed. If you like to have a made bed so the room looks neat, then you can make the Shabbos afternoon as well. The Ariza had a very interesting minute, which is something that I've never seen, uh, and I can't say that the Makovalim don't keep it, but he was Makovit to only have a table with four legs. He wouldn't have a table with one leg or with a central leg down the middle. He was Makovit to have a table with four legs, because so the shulchan is daimel and mizbeach, the shulchan must be daimel to what was in the base of That means your Shabbos table should be a table of like the shulchan and the base of mikdash. And the shulchan and the base of mikdash have four legs. And if he was makbid, his table should have four legs. You don't have to rush out and buy new new tables if you don't have four legs. But it's an interesting minute of the result, which I haven't yet seen anybody halacha say that you have to keep it. But the result had such a very interesting minute. 
a bit difficult to cover a breakfast bar, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. It's a fixed piece, it's a fixed unit. It's a fixed unit. Don't go around saying I've told everybody to cover their kitchen sides. I haven't done that. Yeah. Something else that the Seifan brings down, and it's quoted Lahalok and Eli Rabba, is to make sure that there's no cobwebs in your house. This time of the year, actually, there's lots of spiders around. Uh, I've got a whole forest of them all around my house. Um, they keep coming in at this time of the year to get out of the cold. They're coming into the house, and if they come in the house, there's going to be cobwebs. The Seif Hasidim says that it's covered Shabbos to have no cobwebs in the house. Cobwebs is a sign of poverty. People who com- couldn't clean, the sign of poverty. People who couldn't clean the house, didn't have the abilities, didn't have the money, etc., they would have cobwebs. I suppose if you had a, 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 a ramshackle hat for your house, you're more likely to get uh, spiders in them than if you had this uh, palatial palace, which is less likely to have. Uh, spiders. So therefore, the Sefer Hasidim said, a Friday should go around getting rid of your cobwebs. And if you think you haven't got cobwebs in your house, you're probably mistaken. If you look up to this corner of the ceiling, and, and you'll be surprised where there's cobwebs in your house. And if you really are bored on a Friday, go and get yourself a duster, and go and dust all the corners of your house, get rid of the cobwebs. There is a discussion how often are you allowed to get rid of them on Shabbos? If you missed one or two on Friday, or if they made some new ones, um, after you got rid of the, the old ones, they made some new ones on, on Friday, are you allowed to get rid of them on Shabbos? And that's a shayla. Is a cobweb muksa? Or if I remove a cobweb, am I tearing on Shabbos? There could be two, two issues here. But the, the possible the transmission, I would take on that you can remove a cobweb on Shabbos. So if you do find them and you're allergic to them, you can remove it on Shabbos as well. Part of the preparation for Shabbos, of course, is clothing. Clothing for Shabbos. Now, a lot of clothing for Shabbos is the person has to wear specific clothes for Shabbos. It makes a difference if you're, if you're at home. It makes a difference if you're going to have guests makes a difference if you're w- w- in the street, makes a difference if you're on holiday and there's no one besides you and no, 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 no Jews around, only non-Jews, you are mechoyuf to wear specific clothes for Shabbos. Clothes which are set aside for Shabbos, because wearing clothes for Shabbos is not about social pressure, it's not about feeling good, it's about covered Shabbos. Having clothes which are specific for Shabbos, that's covered Shabbos. So clothes, of course, means the basic clothes, the, 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 the suits, the dresses, etc. It also means, ideally, even a shirt. Even a shirt is, is ideally should be set aside for Shabbos. Some people even have a talis set uh, specific for Shabbos. Some people have special dalit comforts, sitzes, a bag of sitzes for Shabbos. So some people are careful when it comes to brothels, etc. Not, now is not the time to discuss that. Some people won't change the talis cotton before Shabbos because of the problem of brothels. We don't want to get involved in that. Anybody who comes to our Tuesday night show will know that we've spent a long time on that. But having specific clothes for Shabbos is very much part of covered Shabbos. The clothes have to be nice, they have to be special, they have to be uh, a cut above that was the type of clothes that one would wear in, in the week. Now I'm not saying that you won't come wear a robe for Friday night, I'm not going, I'm not in any way pointing a finger saying don't wear a robe, etc. But if, there, if you do wear, like to wear a robe on Friday night or anything like that, make sure it's a Shabbos type of robe, it can't be a robe that you would wear during the week. If you find a robe comfortable and for you that's covered Shabbos, but it's got to be a covered Shabbos robe, it can't be uh, just something that you, you make the dough with on, on, on Friday. The extent of covered Shabbos in clothing is pointed out again by the Sefer Hasidim because he tells, he tells us, interesting, again, it's a minute I've never seen anybody do, that not to pick up a child with Shabbos with his Shabbos clothes unless you've you covered yourself with a towel or something in case the child soils. I imagine in those days there was a risk that the child could soil and then you'd really dirty your clothes. That picking up a child itself is not the covered Shabbos because you're risking that your clothes will be soiled and that's not covered Shabbos. So he advises not to, he says, he says quite clearly, though a person shouldn't lift up a child on Shabbos if it's going to do a 
cause that the clothes should become dirty. That's the origin of the structure, probably, yes. Or for, for us, not the dressing gown. For us, not the dressing gown. Dish breakfast ship. <laughs> the Mishnah tells us in the Sefer Shabbos, in the end of the second page of the Sefer Shabbos, we're just going through the different processes of the next week. In two weeks' time, we'll discuss Hadlokas Neres by at length. We'll try and go through Hadlokas Neres properly, the different Minhagim uh, Hadlokas Neres how to light, where to light, etc. These are very relevant halakhas because you go to hotels, where does one light in a hotel, uh, holiday homes, uh, yeshivas, etc. It can be really relevant. You go out for a Friday night for a meal, uh, we'll do our best to try and clarify it. But the mission tells us in the end of, of the second paragraph of Sector Shabbos that when it comes to close to nightfall, the husband or the man of the house should turn around to the, to the household and ask, Isartem, Eiraftem, Adlikisaneh. Have you taken Misa from the produce? Have you made an Erev? An Erev Tchumen, or an Erev Tavshil, or an Erev Chatseris? Have you lit a candle? Have you lit the candles? And the Shulchan Aruch adds that you should also ask, if them color, have you taken color? Now the Mishnah Ruhr quotes, Mishnah Ruhr tells us that it seems to be that this minig seems to have got lost. It seems to have got lost slightly. Um, not quite clear why it's got lost, but it seems to have got lost. Perhaps Meisah, nowadays we don't take Meisah because if you live in Etzover, most of us rely on the shop. We don't take much Meisah here in Chuslaris. We definitely don't take much Meisah. We discussed a lot of Meisah in Chuslaris at length. And it's very possible that you're not even Mechuyiv to take Meisah in Chuslaris. So we don't ask the question, Isartem. We don't ask the question, Irafatem, because we don't make it. When was the last time we made an Erev? Chateris, an Erev Tchumen. This is not suggesting that we have an Erev in town. This is just saying that even when we don't have an area in town, we just don't make we just don't make a ruben. It's just something we just don't do. And if you do, you do it once a year. It's not something that we do every single Friday. In the time of Chazal, they used to make an area every single Friday with your next door neighbor. Would be a, one of the chalas was your area. Or if you had to travel somewhere, you you would walk somewhere on Shabbos, you would make an area, an area coming. In those days, it could be every time you went to shul, you had to walk out of the little uh, village where you were, and you'd have to make an area. So pre-Shabbos, you would always ask, When it comes to Afrosh's chalas as well. The Mishnah discusses why don't we take the posthum and say why don't we ask the wives have you taken challah? It would actually be a very good idea for us to ask because it would solve a lot of shyness. But he, dis- he discusses again why we don't ask a question of challah. And here at Chusloris, the answer is very simple because it doesn't really matter so much in Chusloris if you haven't taken challah. Because as we discussed when we, we learn how lachos of challah, if you forgot to take challah on a Friday, then in Chusloris you can carry on eating the challah and just leave a bit at the end. And Moshe Shabbos, you say this is your challah, and that, and, and, and you've fulfilled your mitzvah of challah. Though in Eretz that's pretty much all the problem. It's only if you forgot to take challah, it's a very big problem. But again, the poskim say perhaps the reason why we don't ask that question nowadays is because we have a very strange minute. I don't know where it comes from. We call all our challah challah. So if we call all our challah challah, you, you know, you're coming in the wife's baking. What's she baking? She's baking challah. So therefore, once we say the word challah constantly, therefore we know that we have to take challah. If you would call it bread. Then yes, we'd have to ask the sartem mirapim. That's our question, Mr. Chala. Have you taken chala? The Gemara tells us very clearly. Omer Rabba Baravuna. Afagav the Omer Rabbonu Shleishet Dvarim Sarch Adam Leim of Sech Besa. Even though the Gemara tells us you have to ask in the household, have you taken trumas and meisros? Have you made an eruv? Have you lit the candles? Sarich lemirinhu b'nechusa. One has to ask it gently. You're not allowed to come in barking. Have you taken chala? Have you taken meisros? So that you should, they should accept it from you and they should listen. The Mechaber as well, when the Mechaber quotes this halacha, he says, Yishal le'anshe beisei b'loshin rakha. So you should always ask 
in the home in a gentle manner. You should always ask in the home in, 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 a, in a gentle way, not to create friction on a Friday. And in fact, the Gemara tells us, the, the Gemara in the second tells us a story, Hanu Beitrei, the Igrubahu Sotan. There were these two people where the Sotan used to uh, um, work them up. The Chol Beishimsha, every Friday afternoon, have a Kominsu Bahadi Abadi. They would end up arguing with each other. Sounds familiar, right? Friday's afternoons. Ikler Meir Lahasom. So a mayor once came to visit a Kvinu Tlasi Beishimsha. He held them back for three Fridays. At the Ovalahu Shalma until they made peace with each other. Shame, and they heard the Ka'ama that the Sotan would say, Vaid the Afkir Meir who governed the Beishim. Woe that Rameer removed that man, meaning the Sotan, from the home. The Gemara is telling us here that Friday afternoon is the time, Friday before Shabbos is the time when the Sotan really wants to try and destroy Shabbos. Shabbos is all about peace. Our Blockus Nations will learn next week is all about peace, Rez Hashem. Two weeks time is all about peace. Shabbos is called Shabbos Shalom. Shabbos is, is the point of peace, connecting the spiritual and the physical. If we're going to have friction in this world, if we're going to fight with each other on a Friday, then we'll destroy the Shalom of Shabbos. Therefore, the Sotan goes out of his way on an air of Shabbos to try and create friction in the home. He goes out of his way to the point that he needed a Remea, a Tana like Remea, right? The Tana Remea was the Balaness. He's the one that created all the Nisim to, to prevent that Sotan from creating that friction. And by, by pre- preventing the Sotan from creating the friction, he heard the Sotan saying, whoa, I've lost my job. I've failed this time. I haven't managed to create the lack of Shalom. Because Shalom in a house particularly on, on, on the short Fridays, and Fridays are, 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 there's a tension there, we have, to, we have to get there on time, there's always friction to create a, a harmless home, and a harmless uh, uh, way to come into Shabbos is very, very much part and parcel of the, the hachonah, the preparation for Shabbos. So hopefully we have Siat Adishma, and we can prepare ourselves for Shabbos in the moment that we can. No chil Shabbos, even though one should bathe, and one, one has to prepare oneself, one shouldn't uh, cross the line of chil Shabbos. We have to make sure that the home is ready for Shabbos, it's clean for Shabbos, there's, there's no um, cobwebs around, the table's prepared for Shabbos, we'll discuss the actual preparation of the table uh, again in the coming showroom, but the table's prepared for Shabbos, the beds are made, and we've prepared the home in a, in a harmonious way, so there's harmony in the house, there's peace in the house, and then we can ready, and we can be there to be makabal, the Shabbos market, so to makabal and, and receive the queen, the Shabbos queen, every Friday, let's just, just for a few minutes, just share with you a very small, the Vatoy and this week, etc. The, the Pasuk tells us that when Yitzchak went down to Kalishtim, and his prophet said to Yitzchak, Don't go down to Mitzrayim, I'll tell you Mitzrayim, Shechoim Boorit Ashani Oimelecho. Shechoim, dwell Boorit in the place, Ashani Oimelecho, that I will tell you. Then the next Pasuk carries on, and his prophet says to him, Gur Boorit Avais, sojourn in this land. Which there seems to be a contradiction in the two Pesukim. First, Akash Prophet said, Shchoin, Barat, Hashem, the town, the place I'm going to tell you, you should be Shchoin, that's where you should dwell. And then he says, Gore. Now we know the difference between Shchoin and Gore is Shchoin is like to live in a perm- on a permanent basis, and Gore is to sojourn, it's like a temporary living. You're, you're not, it's not a place, it's like you're on holiday, you're, you're, you're there because you, you need to pass through. You might be there for a few years, but you're only temporary living there. Shchoin is to live there permanently. So why in the first possible? The Kashmir says, Shchoin, Barat Hashani, Oimelecho. And then in the next passage, he says, Go, Barat Hashani. There seems to be a, a contradiction in terms. So I, I want to share with you a Vat of Marsha Shiva. So I'm going to say it completely different to what he says, but it's the same Vat. We find in, in, the, in, in the earlier passages when Avram sent Hagar away. So the passage tells us, Vatesa, Vatelech. She, uh, in Yiddish, we say, She fablonged. She got lost. She, she was just, I don't know what the word in English is. There isn't a word in English which. 
she, 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 she was lost. She wandered. She wandered. Maybe, maybe wandered is, is a close word. And Rashi says, what do you mean about Tesa? That she moved away from Amuna from Akadashbor. So where do you see that in the word Tesa? She, she just got lost. You know, we all get lost sometimes. We, 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 you're not sure where you are, particularly you've been thrown out of your husband's house or a Brahmavina's house or your master's house, you've been thrown out and uh, she's lost. How do you see from the word Batesa that she moved away from her belief in Akadish Baruch? So Yosef Litz, who was a Talmud of the Brisbane, who lived in the neighborhood, who was only the neighborhood about 50 years ago, he's he, he not such a well known personality, but he was a phenomenal person. He said a very, very profound word about it. He said, unbelievable. He said, the person who lives with Akadish Baruch can't get lost. The person who lives with Akadish Baruch can't get lost. The third described Hogar as Batesa, that she got lost. She was wandering, and it must be, says Rashi, that she'd moved away from her woman from Akadish Baruch. Because a person who lives with Akadish Baruch can't get lost. So Rashid would used to say, he didn't say it in the same as this, he said it with a, with a completely different build-up, but he used to say the same thing here. He said, when HaKadosh Baruch said to Abraham to Yitzchak, Shchoyim Ba'oret, Asha'ani Oymeh So when you're living in the land that I tell you, why are you living there? Because I tell you to live there. You're not living in the land, you're living where I tell you, said HaKadosh Baruch Where If you live where I tell you, that's permanent. It makes a difference where the land is. If the land's here, the land's there, the land's at Charles, England, it's 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 Mitzray and Palestine, it doesn't make a difference. I'm living with the word of Akashbrokh. I'm living where Akashbrokh says I should live, then wherever it is, it's the same place. I always live with Akashbrokh. That's a permanent living. The physical land is not relevant. Is it Palestine? Is it Mitzray? Is it Charles? That's not relevant. So then I can use the word Shchoyim. Shchoyim ba'oret ashani oim alecho. In the next passage, the Akashbrokh says Gor ba'oret azoyis. Yeah, Kodesh Baruch is talking about the physical land. Which physical place should you live in? So, Kodesh Baruch, I can't say the word Shchoyim. Because in the physical world, you're only, a, you're only a passerby. You don't live permanently anywhere in this physical world. So, in the physical world, Kodesh Baruch says, Go, Baruch, the place. Sojourn. You don't live. But when I tell you where to live, then you're living with my world, you're living with me. You're not living in the physical place. And the physical is just a, a means. But the, really, your, your Shchoyim, where you're living, is with me, with Baruch. The Mokimashani, the place where I tell you, then that's Shrein. Maybe it's possible to have the Shrein. Because if a person lives constantly with Akadish Baruch, he, he lives in a permanent place. He's not, he doesn't change places. The, the, the ge- geography of where he is, the society that he's around him is irrelevant. He lives together with Akadish Baruch. As much as you can't get lost, you can't become a Vatesa, you can't wonder if you live together with Akadish Baruch, with that tremendous amuna, that connection to Akadish Baruch, so too you can't get lost. If you're living with the word of Kodesh Baruch your dwelling is a permanent dwelling. Wherever you are, it makes a difference. You're living Shechem. You're living a permanent, in a permanent existence. It's only when it's Gob Oretz Hazais, when it's Oretz Hazais, if my life is the physical, the physical place that I find myself, the society that I decided to choose to live in, then I'm only a Gob. I can't be a Shechem. It's not possible to be a Shechem in, in the physical world. We should be able to be Shechem, to live together with the word of Kodesh Baruch Shabbos, of course, is one of the ways that we can actually connect to Kodesh Baruch Through Shabbos, we have the ability to connect to and that makes our, our journey, our life, into a permanent life, into a life of we're living exactly as Akash Baruch once we should give us Shatish Maya Shabbosaycha to be able to keep Shabbos as one should, all the brokers of Shabbos, and to connect to the Ben Shalom in a real way, to have a real life, a life of Shechem Bez Hashem. Thank you very much, and have a good evening.